0: Marketing is better when you like what you're doing. And we really liked the human aspect. We liked understanding and identifying the individuals within that account and getting super personal with them. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go.
1: Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Pub Podcast. I have here with my very, very good friend from India, Justin Keller. uh, He's the VP of Marketing at Sixer. I love him to death. He has a soundtrack and music that we got to play as part of this thing. So we're going to get to that in a second. But all in all, he's going to do a whole series on ABM for humans. That's going to be super, super fantastic. But before that... Justin, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, Sangram, and I love you too. And uh, thanks for letting me put my uh, questionable music on your your
1: podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that's questionable goes well with Flip My (laughs) Funnel. I think that's the brand right now. So dude, let's start with a fun fact. Fun fact about yourself. Maybe the music we gave probably gave away, but maybe you can tell more about it.
0: Yeah, my creative outlets are making music. So I'm a producer. I play all the instruments and write a bunch of songs. And other than that, my hobbies are drinking and cooking. Like, you know, having a couple of drinks and making a really elaborate dinner is like my favorite thing to do in the world.
1: What's the favorite dinner thing
0: that you've done? I really like, oh well, man, that's a good question. I've been doing a lot of barbecue lately, but I, I love making Indian food. So I'm trying to create like a barbecue Indian fusion. So you are into spice. Yes, spice. tons of spice, tons of
1: spice. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, next time I'm there, you got, you got to have me at your place. I will. We got to try some stuff. Yep. All right. Well, so let's talk about this, this idea of ABM for humans and, and, and really your journey as an organization, having gone from no ABM to award winning ABM team to this, like, you know, people are coming out to you and saying, well, this, we got to learn this from you. So, one, why did you start with ABM? And as you start thinking and talking about that, it's like, where are you now?
0: Yeah. So, we started for a couple of reasons, but the very good reason was that we ourselves were, you know, we, when I joined the company, we just released, ABM functionality to Sigster so that no matter who you email, Sigster senses the email domain and knows that that's the account and that here is the content that goes to that account, right? And we ourselves, though, we're not, you know, I don't say eating our own dog food. I say we drink our own champagne and we were not doing any of that. So to be a legitimate player in the category, we needed to have a very, very legit ABM program. So it was just one of those things where it's like, we got to bite the bullet. We're doing this now, guys. But beyond that, you know, we're a venture-backed company. We've got really aggressive growth goals. And in order to hit our revenue targets, we needed to move up market. Uh, we needed to do that without slowing down uh, sales velocity. If anything, we needed to speed that up. And we needed to you know, do it efficiently. Like we couldn't burn a whole bunch of money just trying to create buzz. We needed to get in front of the right people and make sure that our value made sense to them. And that made sense to do it on a smaller account-based scale. Um, and so that's kind of really why we started.
1: Yeah, you know, and where we are now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to ask, Justin is like, this is the question that I feel most companies are still not even asking themselves. And I'm curious if you agree with that or have you seen that as an example? So, and I, I did not ever think about it in my previous roles. I'm not claiming to be like, hey, I, I was such an awesome marketer. I always knew the answer to this question. I never even asked myself this very question, which bothered me uh, a lot, uh, especially in the last two, three years. Like, why did I never do that? It made me feel a little bit dumb uh, around it. But, I wonder if you come across this as a question, as a challenge, and if you've seen your customers and the people you talk to, all kinds of B2B marketers out there, I wonder if this question comes up. And the question is this What does your total addressable market look like today? And I ask that question as, as something like, because I want everybody to really think about that for a second. Well, the, one of the reasons why we started Terminus and got into this whole ABM was because. I was sitting, uh, we hit every single record out there in the number of leads one day. And then my head of sales came to me and said, can you just generate thousand more leads next, starting next month? And I was a part of it at that time. And I was like, what do you think? Do we have a universe of unlimited leads that doesn't really matter? And I, I felt at that very moment that that's exactly what everybody thought. They thought that there's a universe <laughs> of unlimited leads sitting out there for you to just plug out of the, from your window, stretch off your hand and give it to the sales team ready to close. And and I was very baffled with that. And But the reason I wasn't able to answer to my peer at that time was because I myself had no idea what a, what a total addressable market looked like. So I didn't even think about asking that question. I'm curious, what's your thoughts on that?
0: For us, it, you know, yeah. I get really jealous when I talk to my counterparts who have very specific um, solutions. And their, their TAM is like 150 companies. I'm like, man, that's kind of... <laughs> That's kind of a nice luxury. For Sixter, like it's tough because if you're a B2B company and you use email, you're a great fit for us, right? No matter what you want to do, we've got a reason to help you. And so for us, it really became about like, what are the smart ways we can shrink our universe? And so we kind of started out being like, well, we play really well with, you know, these kind of tech integrations. So let's only kind of find companies that are using those. And we've had to get even more specific because it's everyone, right? It's, and I used to deal with the same problem, like just my old CRO would be like, hey, you know, I just need 1,500 leads a month and we'll be good. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll do that. And it didn't feel great um, because I didn't feel tied to revenue. And so being able to shrink it down by like vertical or industry has really been helpful for us, too, because at the end of the day, you're trying to get in front of the right people and tell them a good story that they get, they understand and they want to move forward with. And the smaller your universe gets, the better that story is because you're you're not speaking in a vague general way. You're telling you're talking about real and real humans in those accounts. And that makes people resonate and want to work with you. Yeah, that is so
1: good, man. All right. So you went from no ABM to like your organization has these things. So you got to better build it to like this high pressure VC stuff that pushed you to create even more faster run rate, uh, which I'm very familiar with in our own <laughs> little world out there. With all those pressures and stuff like that, you went from there to being an award-winning marketing organization across the board. How did that transformation happen? Uh, it's, it was slow. It started small. We started, our
0: first ABM campaign was just one company. As I'm talking to you, I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing Salesforce's second biggest building in the world. And they were a former customer of ours, but they churned. And it was just like, there's no reason they shouldn't be working with the market leader. Let's, let's just do everything we can to win them. And so since we, you know, a lot of our executives came from Salesforce, we knew exactly who the influencers were, who the champions were, who the signer was. And it was 11 people. And we're like, you know what, let's just build campaigns for these 11 people. And we had no tech behind this whatsoever. What we did was we bought the URL, sixterlove.salesforce.com, And we built a very personalized landing page. We walked them through in Salesforce language, exactly why, you know, we would be a good fit for them. And then we bought 11 $5 Starbucks gift cards that we had printed on them, sixterlove.salesforce.com know, visit this website, have a coffee, let's talk. And on that landing page at the end of it was a picture of the accounting executive that was responsible for that account and the ability to just send her an email right there. And it worked. Like people were, it worked in getting engagement, I'd say. We did not win the accounts, but yes. it worked because Uh, they were talking about us. We got into the buying cycle, got pretty deep into things and it taught us about the things that worked and about the things we liked doing, right? And I think that's kind of an important thing is like, marketing is better when you like what you're doing. Um, And we really liked the human aspect. We liked understanding and identifying the individuals within that account and getting super personal with them. And we're like, okay, let's do this again. We've learned this from one account. What would it look like if we did a hundred of these accounts? And so this time, uh, still no tech, very little tech. We had Sixter. And we had HubSpot. So we, we sat down. The marketing team and I locked ourselves in a conference room. We ordered a pizza. And we built 100 personalized landing pages. And we watched Zootopia. And, and fun fact, the run length of Zootopia is exactly as long as it takes to build 100 landing pages. <laughs> 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 we were okay. done right when the credits rolled. So we did that. And we built 100 personalized Sixter campaigns. And, you know, it's a Sixter loves, you know, Salesforce or, or AT&T or whatever. And we lined it to that email domain. And that way, anytime anyone emailed anyone at that company, they'd get that personalized Sixter campaign that would take you a personalized content experience. And that was kind of step two. And that started to work. We actually started generating more opportunities out of that. And then things got kicked into high gear. We were like, okay went from one to 100. Now we got to go to a thousand. And this is where we started to bring in more tech. This is when Terminus became part of the story. And we really had to get operationalized around our sales force and, and all of our sales and marketing operations. So we built out you know, targeted display campaigns with Terminus. We got the same thing going with our six-year uh, personalized campaigns going there. And then we decided, you know what, let's not make a thousand landing pages this time though. <laughs> so what we did was <laughs> we, uh, to do it. So you need to watch the Zodopia movie 10 times. To <laughs> get- <laughs> I just don't, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't see Officer Hops 10 more times. <laughs> so we, we got really clever and we used Drift and Clearbit. And we made it so that when you have the Sixter campaign for the Terminus ad click through, it would take them to a Drift conversational landing page, which understood the IP address they were coming from and would connect them to the AE responsible for that account. So that was kind of one of those things where it's like, even though we got bigger and we got scaled to the point where we just couldn't understand every single person in the account, we still focused on bringing the humans together and and that was kind of like the core component for us and we've got a lot more tech layered in there we've got you know more intent data we've got you know our account intelligence data going through there but at the core of it it's really just about like making sure that our people are generating connections between really you know our audience and their audience has a relationship with us as people and us as our brand and that we are kind of we come off across as very human in a way for them to stay very human
1: that is really good i love the way you walk it through so let me just sum this up as part of this really fast round of going, you know, taking your ABM at, at scale, pretty much started with one-to-one. And then, then you saw so the results of engagement that got you to go and say, let's just do it for a hundred. I love the fact that you kept low tech across the board because you're trying to figure out if this works or not. And if that requires your team to just sit around and, and have pizza and a drink you know what? That is okay. You probably build great team bonding experience when you do something like that. So having been done that several times, I know those things are actually character building, team bonding exercises that Nobody wants to really do it, but when you do it, you feel like, you know what, that was good to hang out and know a little bit about. It totally was. To do some mindless stuff like that. And, and then you went to 1,000. But in that case, you just didn't add more stuff. You actually created more logical things in the process that allowed me to do the scale from 1 to 100 to 1,000. Exactly. And, and, and as we generate opportunities
0: and we get further along, you know, and, and more high value accounts, we layer in more and more of that personalization, that time consuming stuff. We still have that going on, to be sure. But we have figured out ways of kind of shortcutting it ourselves. So, you know, aligning content to the customer's journey, for example, is something we take very seriously and we do very frequently. So we have scaled it, but we've like, you know, the further down the opportunity you get, the more closely we try to build that relationship.
1: Fantastic, dude. All right. So you're going to be running this ABM for Humans takeover sessions, uh, episodes for the next three weeks uh, on Tuesday. So talk to you about who are the people you're going to interview and what are their topics? Yeah.
0: So it ended up, it didn't start out as ABM for humans. And I don't know if it's because I was driving the conversation or it's just, or what, but all three conversations came back to, you know, making sure that it was humans, not accounts was the point (laughs) of the marketing campaigns. So uh, we started out talking to Sruti Kumar, who's the global marketing manager for Sendoso, who's a sending platform. Really great for, like I said, that personalized outreach, kind of getting a door open or kind of generating connection or getting someone to talk back. We talked a lot about kind of digital burnout and how you need to have new techniques in this world where we've all gotten so good at digital marketing that we all tune each other out. Yep. So that's one. After that, we talked to Brie Gall, who is a, an ABM marketer at Snowflake, who is running one of the most badass ABM programs in the world. Talked to her, and they've got, I think, about 50,000 people. And we sat her down with Jess Engel, who's on the sixth team, who runs our ABM in demand programs. And we're about 65 people, so vastly different <laughs> companies. And then I didn't anticipate this, but the the similarities between our ABM programs are striking. Like There was a couple differences, but for the most part, the the 50,000 person company and the 65 person company were operating in many of the same ways.
1: Wow. All right. So you got, uh, you, you got like these two different, very different organizations. Who's the third person? That you're and then meeting?
0: we talked, to Sarah Tosh, who's our senior sales dev director, and Mavis Norwich, who runs sales dev for a company called Zipwip in Seattle. And we really talked about the role of sales development in an ABM program and how SDRs are really the backbone of an AVM program. Yes. They are, you know what, and, and this really put the finest point on it, they are the humans that are making the first outreach. They're the first brand impression they are arguably the most important part of creating actual engagement with an account-based model. And so we talked to them about you know how, how marketing can better work with sales dev to, to make sure that they're developing the right way, they're delivering the message the right way, and that all the stuff marketing is doing is benefiting them, not burdening.
1: That I love it. I love it, dude. Justin, thank you so much for, one, sharing your journey and your story from going from no ABM to award-winning. And I love those one 200 to 1,000 examples, and definitely what Zootopia, if you want to do. (laughs) Uh, And then these three completely different perspectives on like a small company to a large company, which is one of the fastest growing companies, and then also from a sales perspective, because I think account-based marketing, as it sounds, it almost feels like it's only for marketers, and, and you said it rightly. Without the sales team involved in it, it is just not going to be successful. So having that salesperson involved in the process is absolutely, absolutely critical. So if anybody's in marketing listening to this, share that with the sales team because they are the backbone, as you said, of the entire ABM movement. So Justin, thank you so much, man. Can't wait to hear it all. Thank you, Sangram. Thanks, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast.